right, good morning, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. Yes. We want to start this morning off right by giving a blessing to all of the mothers who are here today with us, and we want to wish you a very happy Mother's Day. So, so glad. Uh, there's two things that we want to do for, uh, well, for everybody in this church, but especially for the mothers, is... One, we want to pray for the mothers today, and then two, we want to give you uh, some coffee and cinnamon rolls. So make sure, and, and yes, it's for the mothers, but uh, we, we've extended it for all. So please, my wife said, Daniel, make sure that we do not go home with any extra cinnamon rolls. So it's imperative that you take them. And uh, also, we've got a great photo booth over there. Some of you guys probably have already snapped a photo, but you can... Uh, email or text a photo afterward to yourself. So um, we're just so blessed to have uh, a great morning together celebrating the moms. So join me as we pray over them. If you are uh, nearby, your wife or your mother, would you put a hand upon them as we pray over them today? God, we thank you for the women in our church who fulfill that glorious role and calling of being a mother. And God, there are so many facets of motherhood. And so we ask that today you would bless every mother here. God, we pray for the mothers who uh, have raised children and are now grandmothers. And man, we call them blessed. Uh, we thank you for the mothers who have young children right now. And they are in the thick of it, raising kids in the Lord. And we ask that, Lord, you would bless those mothers. You would clothe them with strength and with dignity. And Lord, we are also, um, we're keenly aware that for some, Mother's Day is a hard day. And Lord, as a church, we want to rejoice with those who rejoice. We want to mourn with those who mourn. And so God, for those who might be grieving today because of the loss of a mother or the loss of a child, God, we ask that you would comfort them. And God, we just all together stand in grace today asking for the women in our church to just be blessed. And we pray um, for each one of them made in your glorious image. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We love you all. So, uh, so yeah, be sure to grab a cinnamon roll. Leah's already back there. Look, Leah's with us today. Hi. Uh, grab, grab coffee, cinnamon roll, and... Um, and also, yeah, grab a, grab a photo today. So we have one more announcement today before we get into the message, and it's a big one, okay? You guys ready for it? Yeah. You ready? I don't know if you're ready. You don't seem ready. You ready for a big announcement? Okay. All right. So after several months of uh, some real prayer and discussion and, and just watching how things have been going... Um, as pastors of Calvary Chapel Palace Verdes, we have made a decision that on May 30th, we are going to be moving indoors. I was like, okay, what, are we going to hear crickets? Are we going to hear cheering? So, you know, obviously with this, we know it can be a hard decision. We've been doing our very best to listen to the desires and the needs of our congregation and our community, but we just really feel that this is the right time and the right season to move indoors. We have this amazing building that, that has been right next to us all this time that we've been gathering in this church, and, and we're ready to utilize it, and we, we believe you're really going to enjoy it. So 
Um, we have been gathering since September 27th here in this parking lot, and we have seen God do incredible things. We had our Easter service out here. We baptized 20 people out here. We've just watched God's move, watched God move. I mean, we know that we can gather in, in whatever space, at whatever time, because listen, we are the church and the church is not a building, it's a people. And we are a people that are called out by God's name. And so whether we have a building or no building, whether we're in a pandemic or no pandemic, we will be the church, amen? Amen. amen. And, and I just wanna say that I'm, I'm amazed at the faithfulness of the saints to continue to gather as we have continued to proclaim the word of God. And so really excited for what's ahead for us. And um, just before we move any further, I, I also just want to um, give some thanks to just some people who have been so instrumental in all of this happening. Um, I wanna first thank the elders of our church, uh, Rob, uh, ben Kai and Ben Kim, um, as well as Tommy Schneider and Brett Schallerberger who are in Santa Barbara. That is our elder council, and they've just been so faithful to pray and to think deeply about uh, your needs as we shepherd you, and we're just so, so blessed by them. So thank you guys. I also want to really thank today the servants and the leaders in our church who have been so incredible every single Sunday since the start of this church to set up and to tear down this place. Um, you know who you are. I mean, I think of Julie, who every single Sunday morning is out here with a leaf blower clearing this parking lot. Yeah. Um, our welcome team over there um, with... Yes, you guys, and uh, with Katie, who's printed our worship folders every single Sunday. Um, I think about uh, all of the godly men and women who, with a lot of strength, tear down and pull out all of these chairs and tents. And so you know who you are, you know how you've served the Lord in faithfulness, and I'm thankful for it. And hopefully when we move inside, it's just going to be a little bit less strenuous. We still need you to serve. It's just going to be a little bit less strenuous. So... That's, that's the announcement, and with just gratitude, um, we're just amazed watching at what God's doing here. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. All right, so now it's time to get into the Word of God today, so open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. Let me pray one more time, and then we'll get into verse 1. Lord God, thank you so much for this day. God, we ask that you would now open up our hearts, open up our minds, use our hands and our feet to then live out the word that we're going to hear today. And God, we pray a blessing upon the rest of this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And we pray for those sirens, wherever they're going, Lord, and whoever they're meeting that need of, we ask, Lord, that you would be with them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Mark chapter 11, look at verse 1 and 2 with me. It says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem... To Bethpage in Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat, untie it, and bring it. So everything in the Gospel of Mark so far has been leading up to this moment now where Jesus is going to enter into Jerusalem at the time of Passover, is because in Jerusalem, Jesus would fulfill those events that we call the gospel. 
You know that Jesus would enter into Jerusalem at the time of Passover to be the sacrificial lamb, that he would go in on Palm Sunday and, and the people would celebrate him. And then uh, some days later on Friday, he would be crucified. And then on Sunday, he would be risen. But today we are looking at the event known as the triumphal entry or the day known as Palm Sunday. And so on Mother's Day, we have a Palm Sunday message. It's perfect. Um, and, and I think that, you know, even though it, it, this is where God has us going through the Gospel of Mark, I, I think it's going to be fitting even for mothers today. So um, here's what I want to say before we jump into it, that, that I didn't really realize until I read that this, this idea this week, is that, you know, where we're entering now into the Gospel of Mark, which is chapter 11, is that for the remaining six chapters of the Gospel of Mark, it's going to cover only one week of Jesus' life. So that means that one-third of Mark's Gospel covers one week of three years, which should tell you something of the eternal significance of that final week of Jesus' life. And so this triumphal entry we're going to look at today is what begins that week-long countdown. And what soon is going to follow is that Jesus will be betrayed by his very own, by his own disciples and by his own people whom he came to save. He will be arrested and then tried. He'll be sentenced to death by crucifixion. He will die on a Friday and then he will be raised on a Sunday. And it's because Jesus died and was raised to death from the dead on a Sunday that we gather here every Sunday. It's these events, these what we would call gospel events, the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus is why we come to church on Sunday. It is in this gospel that we find our salvation and, and it's in that final week of Jesus's life where you see it all unfold. And so with everything now moving on toward that in the gospel of Mark, we're, we're literally for the next couple months looking at this last week. Isn't that amazing? So I just pray that as a church we would realize that that this is where we find our eternal standing before God, is in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and in nothing else. We've learned a lot recently about the discipleship to Jesus, that we would come and follow him, but this is what we're following. This is the one we're following. So as Jesus drew near to Jerusalem, uh, he would have passed through Bethpage and Bethany, coming up the backside of the Mount of Olives. And then when he, once he got to the top of the peak of the Mount of Olives, which is a pretty significant place in God's redemptive plan, he would look over the city of Jerusalem from that vantage point, And looking on that holy city, Jesus would be thinking about what was soon to take place. You know, his disciples who were with him there were still kind of unaware of all that was going to happen, even though he's now told them three times what's going to take place. And yet the disciples are still obedient to Jesus, and they're walking closely behind him, following him into this path, following their teacher, even, which is amazing, with what little they understood, they were still faithful to follow Jesus. And so Jesus sends... In verse 1 and 2, two of his disciples to do something for him. You know, something that seems kind of strange, but they were willing to do what Jesus asked them to do. Did you see it there? It says that 
He wanted them to, to go into a village that was up ahead. And in that village, they were going to find a colt, this young donkey that was tied up. And that donkey had never been sat upon before. And he wanted these disciples to bring that donkey to Jesus so that he could use it to ride into Jerusalem. Sounds kind of interesting, but Jesus knows exactly what it is that he wants to do. He has everything planned out, everything set in motion, or should I say, the Father has everything planned out. And Jesus is ready to fulfill everything that the Father has planned. And he's going to do it as he follows the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so the disciples are instructed, they're told to go and untie this colt and bring it to Jesus. But before they set off to do this, Jesus gives them some direction to help them understand how it's all going to unfold. So look at verses 3 through 6. It says, if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street. And they untied it. And some of those who stood there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. <laughs> so interesting. You know, there's a lot you could talk about this whole situation, but as we consider it this morning, I want us to see the confidence and the trust of all of the parties involved in this story. Okay, you ready? The confidence and the trust of everyone involved. So let's start with Jesus. Think about the confidence and the trust that Jesus had. He, as I said, had confidence in the Father's will. He knew the purpose for which he came into this world. And here he is, standing over Jerusalem, knowing what awaits him there, his death, burial, and resurrection, boldly enters into it. He was confident in the plan that God had set out even hundreds of years before through the prophets. You know, one of my favorite prophecies in the Old Testament is in Daniel chapter 9, and it has to do with this event of the triumphal entry. And there's this fascinating prophecy study by a guy by the name of Sir Robert Anderson. If you've watched Sherlock Holmes, the story is based around this guy, in fact. Um, and he wrote a book called The Coming Prince, where he was able to take the dates that are given in Daniel chapter 9 and show how the exact date of this event, of the triumphal entry, was prophetically foretold. That 483 years after the decree was given by King Artaxerxes to restore and rebuild the city of Jerusalem after its destruction, that Messiah the Prince would come and that, that it would happen on the exact day that's prophesied in Daniel chapter 9. That if you take all of the dates, 483 years, and you calculate it according to the Jewish calendar, it'll show you that on April 6, 32 AD, Jesus confidently entered into Jerusalem for the triumphal entry, just as it was predicted in Daniel chapter 9. Isn't that incredible? That even to the exact date, Jesus was confident in God's prophetic plan, and he trusted in his Father to fulfill it. You know, think about the trust that Jesus had to have, knowing all the physical 
and emotional and spiritual suffering that Jesus would have to endure in that final week. And yet he is completely surrendered to fill to fulfill the plans and purposes that God has to redeem his fallen creation. It's just amazing just thinking first and foremost of the confidence and the trust that Jesus had. But then let's look at the disciples. Let's think about the confidence and the trust that they had. We think of them as doing something kind of strange, you know, going into this village that they've never been to and taking somebody's property. And then when they get stopped, they just say, hey, Lord has need of it. Right? Don't you wish that worked for a lot of things? <laughs> like, when I take a french fry off my wife's plate, like, Lord has need of it, sorry. <laughs> you know, it, it's so interesting, whether the Lord already prepared the way ahead for them, or whether it was just some supernatural occurrence where, sure, take our donkey, I don't know, but what we do know is that the disciples trusted that Jesus had a plan. You know, and even though they were going to do something that seemed rather strange and they didn't have all the details to it, they were confident in Jesus. Next, think about the people of the village, the kind of confidence and trust that they had. They saw two guys coming down their street into their neighborhood to take one of their animals that was tied up to a door. You know, it's kind of like uh, animal robbery here going on. And... This wasn't some, you know, scrappy old donkey that they're like, ah, take it, we're fine. This was a colt, the fowl of a donkey. It was a young donkey that was like never been ridden for, ridden before, ready to go and tread out the grain for this village. This was a very valuable animal to this village. And yet these disciples come and they say the Lord has need of it. And the people of the village said, well, great, we can put anything into the hands of the Lord. We can trust that however the Lord is going to use this animal that he's saying he has need of, we trust him to use it. We have confidence in how he will use it, and they let the animal go. And lastly, there's one final player in the story who I think had confidence and trust. The donkey, Right? I mean, think about it. This donkey had never been sat upon before. And here he was going to be uh, thrown into this huge parade of people yelling and screaming all around it, throwing their cloaks on his back, and then some guy's going to come and sit on his back. But how amazing of the confidence and the trust that even the donkey had to have the king of glory sit upon its back. And have the privilege of bringing the king of glory into, its, into his triumphal entry. Think of how submitted that animal was to its creator. It's amazing. And so, with trust and confidence, everything's going according to plan. Just as Jesus said it was going to. And now he's ready to make his triumphal entry. Look at verse 7 through 10. It says, and they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches, branches as they cut them from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed be he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming of our of the the coming kingdom, sorry, of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. All right. So, you know, in verse seven. We see that cult is brought to Jesus. And 
Listen, in Matthew chapter 21, verse 7, we are told that the mother of the young donkey was brought with it. And, you know, because all of us need our moms in those big moments of our lives, right? This donkey is going to ride Jesus into Jerusalem, and that donkey has its mother by its side. Think about last week, James and John, who brought their mother along as they asked to sit at the right hand, at the left hand. There's just something, right, about having your mom with you that gives you a little extra trust and confidence. No? No? Not a good Mother's Day application? I tried. I'm like, how am I going to tie in a triumphal entry into Mother's Day? That was my, that was it. That was my best effort right there. Okay, guys? All right. Cool. I love it. But check it out. The, the donkey is now there, and people are taking off their cloaks, throwing it upon its back to make a saddle for Jesus to sit on. Think about the people taking off this cloak. The cloak was a very, it, it was your most useful piece of clothing. It was the clothing of highest value. This is what you used every single day. And people are taking the things that are most valuable and most useful to them, and they're removing them in order to give them for Jesus to sit upon, even for the donkey to walk upon. They're laying out a road so that each step of the way, the Messiah, the King, doesn't have to ever step foot on dirt, but can step foot upon cloaks and upon leafy branches. And so people are going and they're running around, cutting off branches and anything that they can find to create a path for the Son of David to come in. And this was the day that the conquering King, Jesus, was going to come in and... They wanted to give him some special treatments. And, you know, we don't see a lot of, I would say, special treatments of Jesus in the Gospels. If you think about it, Jesus came, we know, as a humble servant. He was the one washing his disciples' feet. And he often would forbid people, in fact, of giving him special treatment or elevating him to this place of popularity or fame. He he would often, throughout the Gospel of Mark, as we've seen, tell people to uh, keep it on the down low. Don't tell people about what's going on. But here, Jesus receives this high praise. Jesus receives this special treatment on Palm Sunday. And in other accounts of the triumphal entry, we see that the religious leaders come to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, you know, your disciples and all these people are making quite the commotion. You need to tell them to keep it down. They need to be quiet. And Jesus turns to those religious leaders and he says, if they are silent, even the rocks themselves would cry out. Because this was a day that Jesus was going to receive praise as king. But we know, right, that it doesn't last long. We know that the same people on that day who were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, would some days later be crying out, crucify him, crucify him. But they are at this moment saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And the word Hosanna is a transliterated Hebrew word, and it simply means save now. They're saying to Jesus, save now, save your people. And they recognize that Jesus had come in the name of the Lord. 
They saw him as the Messiah who was going to restore the kingdom to its former glory as it was during the time of their father David. They believed that Jesus was the son of David, the Messiah of the Jewish people, and so they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, save your people now. And look, Jesus would answer that prayer, right? He would. Yet, he wasn't going to save them in the way that they wanted, but he would save them in the way that they needed. How did they want him to save them? They wanted a, a conquering political ruler. But Jesus came as a suffering servant. And, and that's always been the challenge, hasn't it? Is that we want salvation on our terms. We want salvation by our history, by our family, our religion, our politics, by our education, whatever it is, we want to set the terms of our salvation. And, and we take all of these things that we think God might be pleased with and we present them to him and say, save us now. Look at all these things that I have. Save us now. And yet we misunderstand what it really is that Jesus needs to save us from and how he's even going to do it. You see, God sets the terms of our salvation. It is by the cross, by the tomb, and by the resurrection. And it is by grace and through faith in Jesus, the Savior King. And what is it that we are being saved from? We are saved from the judgment of sin, which is death. We are being saved from eternal separation from God. There's other things that Jesus does for us, certainly. But fundamentally, we need to understand the terms of salvation, how it happens, and what it's even for. And I think that the people here on Palm Sunday missed it. I pray that no one here would miss that. You know, when Jesus came into Jerusalem as a king, people misunderstood the kind of kingdom he was coming to establish. You recall... What we've been learning in the last couple of weeks, the kind of kingdom that Jesus came to bring. That the way up is down. That the highest position is found in the lowest places. That first place is last place. Life is obtained through death. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. As I said, I think last week that the kingdom of God is realizing how we disassociate from ourselves and reassociate with God. That this is the kingdom that Jesus came to bring. And it's an upside down kingdom and it doesn't make sense to the natural mind. However, by the spirit of God, when we get saved by Jesus, we get it. But these people were missing it. They were missing the whole reason for why he was in Jerusalem. And he was there because he was going to the cross to be raised from the tomb so that those who follow him would also be able to that those who follow Jesus would also die with him and be raised with him and then they would experience the truest form of Hosanna in the highest you know he's bringing their Hosanna save now to the Hosanna in the highest in its ultimate sense 
where we are not simply saved on this earth, but we are saved for something eternal. Let's consider now the last verse, and then I just have some final thoughts as we end this morning. Verse 11 says, He entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So Jesus now ascends down to the from the Mount of Olives, entering into the city, goes right to the heart of the city, to the temple. And as he goes in, he looks around and he sees everything as it was. And he was deeply grieved by it. Now the people had turned the worship of God into futile and corrupt religion. And he sees it all and, and he decides that he's going to deal with it the next day. And so next Sunday, we're going to look at how Jesus comes and cleanses the temple. Mother's Day, we're not going to talk about Jesus coming in and flipping tables and cleansing the temple. Love you, mothers. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that next week. But as Palm Sunday draws to a close, um, the clock is still moving forward for Jesus. Friday's coming, but so is Sunday. Jesus is going to fulfill the Father's plan. He has full trust and full confidence <coughs> in what's about to happen. Now, as we end this morning, I want to exhort you by asking you, where do you see yourself in the story? You know, anytime we read a story or watch a movie, we try to see, you know, where we fit in the story. Who are we most relatable to? Which character do you, you know, do you resemble? And so, just thinking through this, let's start with Jesus. And, and let's just say this. How about we just let Jesus be Jesus in the story? <laughs> We're meant to be like Christ. But in the, let's just say, let's just let Jesus be Jesus, okay? He is the high watermark of trust and confidence. He is our great example. But look, Jesus is more than an example, right? He's a savior. And that he died upon a cross and rose from the dead in order to save us. And if you are willing to come to Jesus on his terms, he could save you. I mean, in fact, he could save you today. We, we're saying right now, Hosanna, which means save now. And you might be wondering, well, what are God's terms then? What does that look like to be saved by Jesus? Well, Romans 10.9 makes it pretty clear. It says, if you confess that you are a sinner and that you need a savior, that if you believe that Jesus has the ability to save you from your sin by what he did at the cross, and you understand that salvation is a free gift that is given to you from God, and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, walk in the newness of life that the resurrection brings you, then if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God was raised from the dead, Romans 10.9 says, you will be saved. That's it. Saved now. He can save you right now simply by confessing, saying with God, I need a savior. And he'll save you today. Amen? Amen.
I'd love to uh, lead anybody today in a prayer to receive Christ as their Savior. Um, the, the greatest Mother's Day gift that could possibly happen. You know, if you're a mother and you don't know Jesus yet, greatest gift for you. But, you know, one of the things that I'm certain of is this, is that a lot of times there are um, sons or daughters that mothers have been praying for for a really really long time for them to be saved and maybe you're a mother here and you're sitting here without one of your children and you're thinking oh man if only my son or my daughter could be here to hear this message of how Jesus can save keep praying keep, keep calling out to God Hosanna save now because something I often tell mothers who pray uh, fervently and persistently for their unsaved children is this is that your children are powerless to a praying parent. And if you're that child and you've yet to surrender to Jesus, <laughs> you're powerless to your mom praying for you. And today would be a great day, a great gift to your mother, but certainly just a great gift to you if you receive Jesus as your Savior. To surrender to him and say, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. But maybe you're more like the two disciples, and you're new to faith. You don't have everything figured out. I love what the two disciples do is that they have trust and confidence to simply take what they did know and live that out. They trusted Jesus with what little they knew, knowing that Jesus is able to work out what he said he would do. And everything happens. Just as Jesus said it would, right? So if you're, if you're new to faith, you don't have this whole faith journey figured out, take what you do know and walk with that, and Jesus will prove himself faithful. Next, you may see yourself more like the people of the village who simply surrendered what the Lord had need of. Or like the people who took off their cloaks, their valuable and their useful resources, in order to pave the way for Jesus to enter in. And maybe you see yourself as one who would be more supportive of the gospel going further and further. Jesus moving along the road to see more people saved. You just say, Hosanna, Hosanna. I'm going to release whatever I have to give to the work of the kingdom of God. <coughs> I just love that picture of the people of the village and the people taking off their cloak. Giving their most valuable and useful resources for the furtherance of the gospel. What a gift that is. And lastly, you may be like the donkey, who is simply a humble and yielded servant to be used however the Lord wants to use you. Maybe with a caring mother by your side. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this morning. God, we have trust and confidence in you, in your ability to save. And God, I, I pray, Lord, that even right now we would say, Hosanna, Hosanna. Jesus, that you would save right now by your spirit as one would look to the cross and to the empty tomb and know, Jesus, that you died and rose again for them that they could inherit eternal life. What a gift that is to receive today. I pray that maybe some 
in our midst today would receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.